Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. We're recording this on a Monday. Everyone out there knows what that means. That means I released a morning dunk on no ceilings. And that also means that Tyler Rucker is joining me once again to break down and go through what the hell did I write this week? That That's always a fascinating game to play, isn't it, Tyler? Yes. No, I, I was pumped you did this because I actually, I had this same weird, funny idea for a should I stay or should I go? So when I saw that you were writing that, I was like, yes, Nathan, I love it. So I'm excited to be back on Draft Deeper and talk some hoops with you. This is a good one. This is a very important subject. So as, as I mentioned in the piece that I wrote last week, last week's morning dunk was all about taking a look at the race for number one. But in the beginning of that piece, I mentioned there were two storylines that I wanted to make sure I touch on before we got to the conference tournaments and then the big dance itself. So obviously, who's going to go number one is one of the most fascinating storylines. But the other one is who is actually going to be in the 2022 draft? And the reason why I, I say that with a little bit of laughter in there is because it's been an honest question by many scouts, many major outlets have all written big boards and mock drafts that have asked some of the same exact questions. Who is actually going to declare? Who is going to stay in the draft after declaring? Who is just going to go right back to school? So I took a chunk of prospects. I wrote about 15 guys this week on the morning dunk, and I put five players in each bucket. Should they stay outright altogether? Should they at least test the waters or should they just go? Should they go, not worry about the feedback, just keep their names in the draft because I feel that they're ready. Now, I'm going to throw out a few disclaimers before Tyler and I go through some of the guys we, we picked out tonight. We, we picked out five guys to talk about out of the 15. So if you want information on the other 10 after you listen to this podcast, first of all, you should already be subscribed to the Substack. But if you're not, noceilingsnba.com, our fancy new title, that's where you can find us. Um, a few disclaimers. Tyler and I are not your, your friendly neighborhood agents who are trying to give professional advice to NBA prospects on what they should do with their lives. No, we're not. Um, there, 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 are, there is a lot more that goes into making a decision like that outside of just what happens on the basketball court. So that is obviously a disclaimer. And then the other one is when I wrote that column and what Tyler and I are going to talk about tonight, these are our observations. These are our feelings. We are not providing any intel in this podcast as well. Anybody who wants to aggregate no ceilings, don't aggregate this one. We are purely speculating and giving our thoughts and opinions on what we think these prospects should do. So with that being said, let's hop right in. So the first guy we're going to talk about, I feel like, what, one out of three podcasts, this name maybe comes up, would be Caleb Houston out of Michigan. But Tyler, you, I thought you were helping me out. I thought you were helping us out by tweeting some fun graphics from the No Ceilings NBA account on Twitter today, talking about um, some stats, comparing different stretches throughout the season. And you actually ended up doing that for a number of prospects that we're actually going to talk about tonight. But you did it for Caleb Houston as well. And before 
you give your two cents on what you think or, or what you think Mr. Houston should do or how you think his situation should play out. That is an important thing to factor in is that he's had a stretch since about mid-January where mm-hmm. he's actually been putting up some pretty good shooting performances, not just from the field overall, but also from three-point range. He's coming off back-to-back 21-point games. Really seems like he's starting to figure it out. And it's not that he's added different dimensions to his game necessarily. I think what he's been asked to do within the flow of the offense has just been much better suited for him. He hasn't hasn't been asked to bail out Michigan offense nearly as much as he was in the beginning of the year. I know I shared that critique with, with Matt Penning when he was on the podcast. Um, he's been in situations where he's been able to catch and shoot and release without having to think twice about it. He's been able to get downhill online drives. He's found some better pick and roll chemistry with Hunter Dickinson to the point where he can actually hit him with a pass as he's rolling to the basket versus Houston being asked to score out of those play types. Because when he does try to turn the corner on that initial screen, he really doesn't get separation from the defender and he does not do well trying to score at the rim over somebody that's that's not one of his strong suits he's not a very strong creator in that sense but he's an underrated passer we know what he can do shooting the basketball on the move open spot up shooting we know the kind of threat he is when he's spurting out to the corner and transition he does enough things on the basketball court to the point where i feel like as i wrote he kind of has to go into the nba draft and not just declare i feel like he 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 just needs to go and This is one of the aspects that I do want to talk with you about as we talk about a few of these guys. If you're coming back to school, I think the purpose of coming back to school should be showcasing different things that you've been able to add to your game, not just having a more efficient year on what you've already shown us you have the potential of doing. Yes, And I'm not quite sure there's anything that Caleb Houston's going to add to his game for a sophomore run at Michigan that's going to be the thing that would propel his draft style. Could he raise it slightly by just being more efficient on his three-point shot, which is really going to be his bread and butter in the NBA? Sure. But if we're talking about like catapulting up draft boards, like Jay Nivey, like Johnny Davis, like Keegan Murray, like those three guys are top 10 potential picks because they've all showcased borderline dominant traits that they've now been able to rely on. And they're impacting the game as like, primary options for their teams. And I'm, I'm just not sure that's ever going to be Caleb Houston's game, but at the same time, he, he fills multiple needs that NBA teams are looking for. So I'll ask you, Tyler, I think he should just go. Where are you kind of at at Caleb with Caleb Houston up to this point? Cause I think we're late enough in the season where we can finally like get close to cementing our evaluation on him. What, what, what do you, how do you think that situation should play out? I was definitely on the fence if you asked me about two weeks ago. I I probably would have been leaning towards saying he should go um, because I do think, you know, was everyone we're going to talk about and your piece where you went into detail on 15 guys, you know, there's there's a theme with that piece in every prospect that Nathan was talking about. A lot of people are going to say, well, you know, they should go back and improve their scoring production. It's like, no, Nathan's spot on right there. Like, they don't need to just go back if they do and just become a better scorer. Like, they need to show flashes that the other parts of their game are developing. And with Caleb, I think it's more of just the confidence. Like, confidence is everything with 
these type of prospects. Like you're going to see us talk about some of these guys that I think the confidence is showing that they're really started to see, you know, increases in production and their play is taken off throughout the year. Caleb's just been inconsistent the whole year. Um, and now you're starting to see that confidence is building a little bit. Like yeah. he's had back to back 20 point games. I just think now he's making a late push where like, yes, he should go because I, I, I completely agree with you, Nathan. We know what Caleb Houston's going to be. I mean, he's going to be a really, really nice piece for a team. If he continues to develop and takes these nice strides forward, like he can, he can shoot it from outside. He can be the complimentary piece that really knows how to play the game. Um, make smart decisions to get his teammates open. Like he, he, he knows how to do a lot of little things. And unfortunately he came into the year, he was this top 10 projected pick. And when you're a preseason top 10 projected pick, you have all these lofty expectations of being, you know, a lethal scorer, a, a guy that should shoot 45% from three and, and score 18 points per game. But like, it just hasn't clicked that way consistently throughout the year. And it could still happen at the next level. Sure. And I think Caleb's showing those flashes as of late of like, I have this potential. He just needs some time to kind of get into a system or develop his game further where it's going to be coming around on a more consistent level. You know, maybe this is a guy that has that type of impact where he goes later in the first round and, you know, becomes that Cam Johnson type of figure where it's like he's a really important piece in your starting lineup for for the future. So I, I'm a fan of Caleb. Um, I think it's been one of those guys like me and you have talked about him plenty. Um, we've talked about him plenty at No Ceilings. He's just been a fascinating prospect to monitor throughout the year because there's highs, there's lows, but um, you get really intrigued when he's rolling and, and you can see the confidence is flowing. That's really who I think he should ultimately model his game out after um, is Cam Johnson. I'm glad he brought mm -hmm. that name up. I think the the hot name before the season even started was like, is this guy potentially the next Clay Thompson type? Right, right. And that that is that is not who he is. Right. And that that's 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 not a bad thing because Clay Thompson is a one of one at this point. He is he is such an outlier, but Caleb Houston can be a Cam Johnson at the next level. And what makes Cam Johnson so intriguing is not only the similarities that the both of them share with the shooting, but it's also being able to go to that runner off the bounce. It's some of the the passing flashes that you'll see from from Cam in the in the system that he's playing in with the Phoenix Suns that you also see from from Caleb Houston. And then it's the defense. I think if Caleb Houston can really take it up a few notches defensively, because they're 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 similar sized. I I don't know both of their wingspans off the top of my head, but just in terms of like how tall they are, they're very similar sized. I think they could both I, I think can impact the game defensively i think he can be a multi-positional defender but he's got to put some strength on and then obviously like a lot of young players he's got to get better playing off the ball within a team construct as well which this is a conversation i've had with some people recently as well is that when i'm evaluating a college prospect i want to see what you can do on the ball i want to see who you can guard who you can physically hold yourself up against i'm not as worried about the off ball stuff unless you just look completely lost like mm -hmm. possession after possession after possession you just don't know what's going on the game's clearly moving too fast for you i'm not as worried about if you're just missing a, a few rotations here or there like each game like that's fine that happens to every young player but he, he's not completely lost he's a really smart player and i think that that he's just the type of guy that he just needs to get into an nba system sooner rather than later 
because the type of coaching that he's going to get to improve some of those deficiencies, like the, the off-ball defense, for example, he's going to get that style of coaching and what he needs much better in the NBA than he is at the college level right now. And not not to knock Jawan Howard and, and stuff like that, but ultimately he needs to figure out what the NBA team is going to, how they want to play defense. He needs to figure that out sooner rather than later. So that's that's another reason why I think he just, he just needs to go. Yeah. Um, I think also, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but we talked about this, me and Tyler Metcalf on No Ceilings. Like, this could be a promise guy. This could be a guy that starts having some good workouts in front of NBA teams, and they're like, hey, around 27, if you're on the board, we're taking you. I I just think this is a prospect that a playoff team might not have thought they had a shot at. And he had an up-and-down season. Teams might be a little skeptical about his, his potential, his upside. But some NBA playoff teams going to be like, no, we'll, we'll get him in a developmental system and he's going to be a perfect asset for us. Like, we're going to groom him. He doesn't have to be forced into the action right away. So um, I, I, I'm starting to get around on Caleb Houston. Wait, does, I, I he would, go, does he go sooner than that, though? I like, think there is a shot. I think is still. It point, is it to the point where just like he, he gets in front of workouts? Like yes. the, the pre-draft workouts that I'm sure we're going to talk about <laughs> ad nauseum at no ceilings once we get closer to that point. But like he gets in a workout and he works out for like three to four teams. And every single time he's just like shooting the lights out of the ball. And you get you get him you get him in front of you know one of your scouts or one of your executives, and he nails the interviews. And like, I, I can just see him climbing all the way back up. Like, like all of a sudden he comes back into the range we thought he was going to be. Like, like late lottery, mid first round, and it's just like, oh, where did that come from? And then a lot of the intel starts leaking out from guys like Chad Ford and Jeremy Wu. Like, well, he's a really good kid, and he's he's nailing his interviews. And man, I I was in person for a workout, and he hit like I don't know like. 20 some however many three pointers in a row like he was looking really good like i if you were gonna make me bet on where he goes on draft night i know we've been mocking him pretty consistently like late first round up to this point i I just i don't know man i just i just feel like he goes higher than that i don't know maybe 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 i'm wrong no i'm i think you're right I, i think this is definitely the draft this class is gonna have that range where there's gonna be names that climb quickly from the pre-draft process, from t- guys working out in front of teams, the interview process, like there's still this range in the first round where when we get to it, you know, we've been joking about it. It's like you get uncomfortable the moment you get to it because there's just so many questions all over the place. So there's going to be a range where teams are like, no, Caleb Houston's worth the swing at that pick. Like we we loved what we saw at the workout. He sh- excelled during the interview. He looks like a great, or he sounds like a great kid from everything we've heard from his background, his intel. Like, there's definitely that potential for Houston or guys like that to climb in a hurry. And I, I just definitely think, you know, first I did the stats like you mentioned earlier for no ceilings today on yes, social please. media. Um, his first 14 games, he was averaging 9.2 points, 4.5 rebounds, 1.5 assists. Um, two turnovers game. He was shooting 35.3 from the field, 29.4 from three and around 75% from the line. So like, obviously we were all bumped. Like we were just down. We were like, Oh, he's supposed to be this lethal shooter. His next 13 games. He's at 12.3 points, 3.8 rebounds, 1.4 assists down to 1.2 turnovers shooting numbers, 46.7% from the field, 43.9% from three. 80% from the line. Like 
you're starting to see this late surge of production, which you can also see that's the confidence starting to build. Absolutely. He's had some games where he's come back down to earth, but like you mentioned earlier, Nathan, like he had a pair of 20 point games back to back. Like that is, you're starting to see some signs of like, okay, I I'm feeling good now. I got a rhythm. Like, there's potential there. And, and Caleb has the upside to be a climber, even with the up and down season, like scouts understand what they saw with his play overseas for FIBA. They understand the type of high school prospect he was. I still think there's a chance that he could be a name that goes in the first round. I, I know some people have had him going early second. Um, I, I still think this is a guy that teams around 20 and up, even earlier, like you said, like it would not surprise me. There's a long list of guys I think could really heat up in a hurry once workouts start and interviews start and the combine, you, you never know. I know it's one of those drafts because you and I have been on mock draft podcasts together where we're both fumbling our words. Like we're dropping a deuce in our trousers after yes. like 14 because we just don't know where to go at this point. So I, I know it's one of those drafts. And that's exactly why, as you said, when there's chaos, there are going to be guys who just rise up and, and ultimately take it. And Caleb Houston could very well be one of those guys because of a lot of the stuff we have, a lot of the film we have on him and a lot of the Intel before the season even started, that will start to factor in, um, in his evaluation as well. Speaking of the word potential, mm -hmm. I want to talk about Bryce McGowan's. Yes. Because, Bryce McGowan's, we, first of all, we're going to talk about two guys tonight, not just McGowan's, but we're all, we're going to talk about Blake Wesley a, a little mm -hmm. later on. These are two guys who I've kind of put myself on their islands all year long. I've been roasted on these islands by almost everyone at our No Ceilings Collective. And it, it's kind of just been funny to be on the, the receiving end of that. But you know what? I saw McGowan's in person. I saw him up close. I like the body. I know he's really skinny right now, but he has one of those frames that you just know he's going to be able to put on, not just put on weight, but it's going to be healthy, pretty evenly distributed weight. He has really wide shoulders, got the back. He, he, he's going to be good. It's going to be fine from a physical standpoint. Metcalf was very quick to chime in. In, in our little Twitter group last night about how he just hasn't had a game up until last night where he he's hasn't made more than one three pointer in a game in like a month. I get where he's coming from with that. Is that really McGowan's game though? A, a is it his game and B is, is that what Nebraska wants him to do? Or is that what he feels like he should be compelled to do is just try and be open on the wing, just him spot up threes. This Nebraska team is a tire fire. They're 8-21. and 21. He quite literally has to do almost everything. He has to create for himself. And that's why I love that he still remained aggressive. He hasn't gotten down on himself. He still tries to get downhill, get to the free throw line. Should he cut out some of these mid-range pull-ups that he takes off the bounce and some of these like longer twos right by the three-point line? Absolutely, he should. He's a young player. The, the, uh, some of those guys do tend to learn that. Once they get to the league, they cut out those shots. But his comfort level taking those pull-ups, his comfort level when he can walk into an open three, which he was able to do last night against Penn State. I went back and I watched that tape. 
he hasn't been able to take some of those shots in quite a while. Is that just because Penn State's bad at defense? Possibly. Is that also because Nebraska just isn't set up for him to be able to have easier opportunities and he just kind of has to to take the brunt and, and, and create whatever he can out of thin air? That's also a, a, a likely answer. And I put it together, Tyler, and I just come back to it every single time I want to go do a big board or a mock draft. I know we left him out of our, our most recent mock draft in, in the first round. I just didn't feel like there was a – by the time we got later in the first round, I just didn't know if there was a good enough spot for him. I'd like some other guys in those spots better. But I just come back to it. We could be looking back at this draft like two, three years from now, and we're like, there aren't 14 – players who are more gifted offensively in this draft class than Bryce McGowan's. Like, how did we let him fall? And here's another reason why I'm going to tell, I would tell Bryce McGowan's to go is because again, I don't know what else he's really going to show if he comes back for another year in Nebraska, that's different in his game other than just being more efficient. And I know that Bryce McGowan's wasn't ranked nearly as high preseason as Brandon Boston was, but I just, I get some of those vibes. I absolutely get some of those vibes from him. He just, he, he hasn't been in a good situation for himself all year long, but there's so, you can just see so much skill and natural talent there to the point where if he gets the right coaching on how to do the other things, how to be a better passer, um, how to be a more locked in defender possession after possession, and then you're able to bring out more of the scoring ability and he gets more efficient from the field. Like I still see a prospect with so much potential that especially if a team's going to buy in in the second round and he's in a position where he can tear up the G League, get a lot more comfortable that he's coming up to the NBA, like second half of next year, we're going, where the hell did this come from? Why wasn't he higher on boards? Like I, I, I can just see that happening. And maybe it would be a situation where he just goes back to school purely because he wants to improve his draft stock. That, that, that could very well be the case. But I just I, I can't see him declaring and not getting some sort of draft promise for a team. And I just really feel like he's in a position where he just needs to get to the pros to, to really start figuring out who he is as a player. And I don't know if he's going to do that. Certainly not at, at Nebraska next year. So the thing with McGowan's, I, I was skeptical in the beginning of the year. I, Nathan was definitely on that island. Um, we didn't get, make fun of you. We don't do that. We just, we all have guys that we love and, and we all get ready to go to war. But, you know, I always, you know, I take my time before I'm ready to go to war with everyone. I'm open-minded until about April and then I'm, I'm guns blazing. So what I'm, what I'm getting at with McGowan's is I was cold on him. Um, to start the year because I was just a little nervous about the shot selection and the percentages. And I've started to watch him again. And this second half of the year, I've seen a lot more stuff that I'm liking. Um, I'm really intrigued with his, his second half of this season because, like you said, Nathan, that, that team's tough. And, you know, I'm sorry, Nebraska Horn or Cornhusker fans that are diehards listening to this. We, we love you, but... His team is a little is a little tough. He's having to do a lot of the heavy lifting. You're much nicer saying that than, than I am. Well, I, I, I just I just go right for it. I'm just calling yeah. Cowherd. I'm 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 giving you the truth. I, I'm gonna be nice for about two more months, <laughs> and then everything's <laughs> then I'm, then I'm all business. But 
I like McGowan's. I, I think that's a guy that I, I really do think he's a first rounder. Um, I, I was not on him. I just started watching him way more closely again today, and I see it. I, I see the intrigue. I think the feel, like, is really coming along. You're seeing more patience, more like understanding with some of his shot selection. First half of the year, I feel like he was just like, oh my gosh, I got to put up buckets. Like, I, we got to score. Like, I got to get some some offense rolling. Now it seems like there's purpose with each of his decisions, like to, to get to the basket. Um, I talked about it earlier. Something that really stands out to me was his first 15 um, games of the year, he was attempting five and a half free throw attempts per game. It's up to 7.1 now with the second half of the season. I think that shows you something of like, okay, I got to get to the basket and those attempts are up and the free throw percentage is up. So it's like, you're seeing all of his numbers across the board have started to trend in the right direction. Um, The first 15 games he was shooting, uh, he had shooting splits of 38.5, 24% from three, 81% 81% from the line. Last 14 games, those shooting splits are 42, 32, and 84. I think he's a much better shooter than his three-point percentage would show you. But he also gets some shots from three that are, you know, him from five feet beyond the arc, and he's barely missing it. And you can see that he's got range. I just think the situation he's in, he's got to do a lot of lifting. I'm like you. This is a serious upside offensive weapon he just needs to go to the right place that's like let's just groom this guy to all of a sudden unleash him when he's ready and i think there's an argument if you put some better talent around him he might just become this entirely new type of confident player where he's like oh my gosh i don't have to do everything because there's definitely some smoothness when it's him off the dribble him trying to navigate to his spots like I'm seeing it, Nathan. I'm telling you right now. I'm getting on that island with you. So you're not. Why can't Why can't he be like the second or third option on on an NBA team? Why Why can't he get there? I understand that he's and the the word feel was the perfect word to use with him. Yes. When we get like two, three years from now, when he's had a lot of time to be coached up properly, when he's taken his lumps in the G League, when he's come up to the NBA, he's gotten much more familiar with his team and how they run offense and everyone he has around him, like. Why can't he get to that level? That's what the natural talent tells me. And I know you 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 rattle off some of the shooting percentages, but the the free throw percentage as well. He's still at eighty three and a half percent on the year, right. over six attempts per game. Yes. Over six attempts per game. How many For freshmen it, honestly get to that many free throw attempts? For a thin framed, tall, lanky guy, one hundred seventy nine pounds, and that's, that's just probably one hundred seventy nine yes. soaking wet. And he's saying, I don't care. I'm getting to the line. Like I'm getting to the line. And and that's some maturity. That's some understanding. That's just willing to get after it. I think this is my problem with this draft class. Now, see, now I'm, I'm tired of being nice. I want to get you off the rails. Let's go. Uh, Well, it's, it's happening. Trust me. I don't want it to be, (laughs) but it's happening lately. Um, The problem with this draft class is we're comparing it to the last two. And we can't do that because the last two were, gold mines for draft evaluators draft fans Bryce McGowan could be a great number three like we should be viewing these guys of like can they be NBA players yes Bryce McGowan has the the chance to be a very very good pro 
but we're trying to find the 20th or 25th guy that's going to be the superstar. And it's like, that doesn't happen every single year. Like, I think Bryce McGowan's could 100% be a very good second or third option, like you're saying, Nathan. But I also think we're trying to measure it up to the, you know, the Chris Duarte's who just came into the NBA and are guns blazing or, or guys like that, where it's like, we're used to guys taking some time to, to own their craft, to master their craft. I think McGowan's could be a great asset. It, it's just, we need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit with some of these guys, because there's, there's definitely talent there. There's upside. Can, can, can I ask you a question? Yes. So course. let's, let, let's say, let's say the feel is one of his main problems. As we've kind of said, it is what if, what if he was still as bad as he's been throughout the entire course of the year on defense? What if he's still been a little selfish and a little tunnel vision when it comes to getting downhill and not looking for the extra pass? But what if he was shooting like 47% from the field, 36 to 37% from three-point range, and he still had the free throw percentages that he has? Would this guy not be in the lottery conversation? I oh, think he'd he be there. He would be there. In this class, he would be there for sure. Um, because everyone would be saying super dangerous offensively. He's going to have, someone's going to have to figure out his defensive fundamentals. Like I, That's just what it's like. If teams are going to drool over offense, it, it happens. But I think McGowan has that upside. Like it's not, it, it's just the way he navigates to spots like, I like the pull-ups he takes. Sometimes, like, he, he can get a little bit erratic, but I think comparing it to the beginning of the year to what I've watched with the recent game sample towards the streak where he's getting hot, it's night and day different. You're really seeing some maturity, and that comes with time with a young guy who's playing on a team that's struggling. Like, all of a sudden, he got the ball thrown at him in the beginning of the year, and they're struggling. They have no one who could get buckets. I mean, Lonzo Verge might disagree with that statement but I, i'm just saying mcgowan's has the, the the potential he's trending in the right direction where i think his life's going to get easier at the next level i think an nba team could see that some um, nba front office is going to say we understand the system he was playing in like the the lack of overall awful. help he had yeah awful. so this this is cole anthony all over again yes and, and this is another pre-draft guy he could go in front of teams and. Oh, and, you had woo. to use the word pre-draft on my podcast. No, 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 no. My pre-draft <laughs> is pre-draft workouts. I can't. We have to figure out some other term. I can't. <laughs> I still can't understand why we're combining those. Pre-draft is pre-draft workouts. When he gets in front I, of teams, he's going to shoot it. He's going to shoot it well. He's going to be lengthy and and smooth. Teams are going to be drooling. So. I, I look at him and. I'm not saying he's poor man's this guy in terms of who he's been this year with Chicago Bulls. I see a poor man's Toronto DeMar DeRozan with this kid. And if we're, if I'm able to use the word poor man's and I'm putting you even in the realm of somebody like that, like a very young version of him, how can you let that slip to the second round? I'm sorry. Like, I understand if you don't want to take him in the lottery. I understand if you don't want to take him in the top 20. I understand if you don't have the developmental resources in place to actually coach him up. But if we're putting him in that ballpark of natural talent, you can't let that slip to the second round. You just can't. And I thought 
that that's going back to like Brandon Boston too. Like Brandon Boston should have never won as late as he did. Like that should have right. never happened. Like I, I guarantee you next year, he's already shown some of it this year. Next year, he's going to be a player for the Clippers. They're going to have a legitimate contributor on such a cheap deal. That's going to be a steal for the Clippers. And some NBA team is going to be able to walk away with a similar steal if you let McGowan slip the second round. Maybe I'm crazy for using that comp, but but that's I, I see it, man. I watch and I watch enough of his film to the point where I'm just like, dude, this dude is silky smooth at six seven. He's long. He knows what he's doing off the bounce. He already gets to the line. And it took Demar Derozan. I don't think Demar Derozan was ever a bad passer, but it's taken him quite a while to get to the level of passer that he's at right now. Right, like right. We're talking years, and we're talking years of suffering through. Pop's doghouse treatments, whatever the hell Pop did to him in San Antonio, to also really raise his floor as as a distributor or, or a secondary creator. There's going to be, I mean, I'm looking at the mock draft right now. You get to 20 to 30, there's going to be multiple teams with multiple first-round picks, which they're probably going to sell one of those picks because they need to open up some, you know, they can't draft four guys in it. So some team's going to try to get back in with an uncertain draft, they're going to try to get back in. And this could be a guy they target where it's like, Hey, we, we need to develop some young wing. Um, like Memphis is in there. I'm so they- scared. I'm so scared with what Memphis is going to do in this draft. If they keep all those picks, if they're able to, if they're able to take two of these young guys on top of stashing somebody like Prochita, which is what we talked about in our mind. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm so scared. Like the, the league should be legitimately terrified with what Memphis has not only done over the last few years and what they're now doing in the NBA now, but talk about being able to use like three first round picks and just nab some of these guys who maybe they're not perfect fits for another NBA team, but in a, in a place where they're all about developing young talent, you could tell me they could snag somebody like McGowan's on top of whoever else they could get possibly with the Lakers lottery pick and then stash away another guy who could be awesome. My God. Yeah. Shout, I- shout out to Memphis. You never know. They might be maneuvering to work around the board to to get to specific guys. And maybe they try to add someone like McGowan's, even though they took Zaire Williams, where it's just like, just keep adding horses to the stalls. Just keep giving us more firepower. So I'm a fan. I I think this is a guy that's going to be in the first round. And and I was taking a while to, this is why I like to go back and check up on guys. And now that I just started watching him again, I'm like, okay, they're, there's, I'm seeing it. There's some fun stuff, but to wrap it all up with what you were asking earlier, Nathan, like this is a guy, I don't know if going back and averaging 16 and shooting 40% is guaranteeing that he's gonna all of a sudden become a top 10 pick. Like, I think there's a dangerous world when it's, you know what a guy is and you just want him to go back and be more efficient. Like Ayo Desunmu just had that problem. He was one of my favorite guys in the draft. I kept monitoring him over the years. He he tested waters. He came back for his junior year, and they were like, hey, okay, scouts want to see him be more efficient from downtown, and he could rise up boards. He did that, and he still went later than he deserves. Like, I I think every year he took steps that he needed to prove to NBA teams. Like, I'm, I'm more complete guard than you guys think. Like, okay, you wanted me to work on my shot? I worked on it. It, it showed on the court. So there's always a dangerous world when it's, you need to go back and be a more efficient shooter from deep. Well, it's like, well, if you do that, they're still going to find something. There's still a chance that they're going to nitpick like, okay, he didn't do enough. So I just think he's got enough tools 
the system that he's in, like six seven, it, it's a big deal. Like six seven with raw serious upside. I, I think McGowan's definitely should go. I, I think Bryce McGowan's. If you're listening to this podcast, please let us interview you here at No Ceilings. <laughs> I promise we'll 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 do we'll do a good job, buddy. But God, yeah, when talking about a team like Memphis, who let's say let's say they stash somebody like a Pachito or a Kamagate, maybe they add McGowan's play in the first round, and maybe they take a swing on Malachi Branham in the lottery. Uh-oh. Yeah. Did, did I just utter those words? Yes, Uh-oh. you did. Now, now, now we're getting really dangerous over here at Draft Deeper. The Ohio State guard has – I don't even – I use the word skyrocket so mm-hmm. much. Me too. I, think, I, I need a word that, that goes even further than, than skyrocket. Like, are we talking like Spaceballs, ludicrous speed? To the moon, fast, yeah. Basically. With how fast Brandon's going at this point? Like, ludicrous this speed. guy, ludicrous speed. So – I've mentioned this on multiple fronts, and I mentioned this on the Mock Draft podcast, but Metcalf and I talked a while ago about when he had that real coming out game against Nebraska where he dropped 35 points. Then he dropped 24 points against Northwestern. In the Nebraska game specifically, he was 6 of 10 from three-point range. But we just see how lethal of a spot-up scorer he was in those two games. And you come back and you're like, okay, this guy is a freshman. Like he's had a few good games. Sure. But like considering he really didn't do much else at any other point in the beginning of the year from November, all the way through to that point in early January, like we need to see him actually put together a legitimate sample size through January into February where we're actually looking at him. And we're like, all right, he's proven himself. He deserves to be talked about as a legitimate 2022 prospect, let alone a first rounder. This dude's been on a, to use one of your favorite words, this dude's been on a heater. Yes. Ever since that point in the beginning of January, he's still shooting 48.6% from the field, 44% from three-point range, 84.5% from the line. So when we talk about guys like Houston, we can throw Christie in there, we can throw McGowan's in there. Branham has not had those same struggles from the field. Not in the slightest. Then when you factor in through a lot more volume, through a lot more attention, he's the second scorer on that team behind EJ Liddell. He still ranks in the 70th percentile in terms of spot-up shooting. This is interesting. He's actually taken, if you grade out his possessions by synergy, he's actually been the most involved in pick-and-roll and scoring out of pick-and-roll situations, and he's in the 96th percentile scoring out of pick-and-roll. So this dude is a lethal spot-up shooter. You give him a screen at the top, he's been much better at figuring out how to score out of those situations, or even passing. And when you factor in pick and rolls, including passes in the 92nd percentile. Like, I know that he hasn't done a ton from a playmaking perspective. He hasn't really shown me anything particularly great on the defensive end, although I think he holds his own in the backcourt enough. But this dude's been an absolute flamethrower on the offensive end. And when we talk about evaluating prospects for the NBA draft, when we talk about looking for one to two skills that we know will ultimately translate at the next level to giving somebody like him minutes during his rookie year to give him some of those developmental minutes, he's got it. Every NBA team wants shooting. Every NBA team wants shooting who they know if somebody's running a set and they're passing the ball out to the wing or the deep corner, whatever, that guy there, if they can trust that guy to make that open shot, 
that's what every NBA team wants. And if they can get that guy on a cheaper contract than like 10 to $15 million a year, you damn well better believe they're going to take it. So you can talk about taking Branham late lottery mid first at this point. And even then, if he's giving you anywhere close to this level of production in terms of efficiency on that type of a deal, that's so much of a bargain in the NBA today. And that's really, I think, what the driving force is in terms of really moving this guy up draft boards. It's not, it's not just the proven production at this point. It's also the proven production in an area, in multiple areas, that translate very well to the NBA game. What's, what's NBA offense? You either have to be able to create out of pick and roll or you need to be able to hit open jump shots or you need to be a threat cutting or rolling to the basket and, and finishing lobs. That's really the bulk of, of NBA offense. And then, of course, transition play. He's, he's given you two of those areas in mm-hmm. spades at this point in college, as young as he is as a freshman. So, like, I know I look around and I kind of think it's crazy we're putting him in the top 20 conversation all of a sudden, but at the same time, you compare him to his peers and you compare what he could do immediately in his rookie year in the NBA, and it doesn't seem crazy anymore. So that's why if you would have asked me like three weeks ago, I would have told him probably go back to school, be more of a featured option. Maybe he does become the number one at Ohio State. Maybe he takes one of these meteoric jumps that some of these other sophomores have taken. But now it's to the point, I'm forget just testing. Like go, just go. Go in the top 20, get yourself in the NBA, get a guaranteed contract, get your lettuce, and you're going to be on a path to be able to get better in your craft. And I just think he's going to be a valuable weapon for an NBA team. I think this is the one that is really crashing the party. Um, And he's soaring so much up boards that next year, and all of a sudden he got to a point where we just kept saying, why not this year? Like, why wouldn't he go this year? Why wouldn't he try to test the waters this year? Now it's all of a sudden entering the conversation of, he might be a first rounder this year. Like where's just, he's been so impressive. Um, I've been watching him lately and you know what the, the one thing that stood out to me, Nathan, when I watched him that I haven't really, sorry if I haven't seen anyone say this, but I, I haven't seen a lot of people. He's a tough shot maker. Like he has yeah. some, some possessions where he's smothered and can make some really tough shots. And I do think that's a skill. Uh, you can't fake that for too long. Like all of a sudden you run into problems if, if you are all of a sudden thinking you can do that and you can't, but you could see some times where he's smothered. He makes some really tough shots because I, when I was first watching him, I was like, is it this, does he not have this like separation ability? Like, can he not get away from guys? And then all of a sudden he just kept making these tough shots and it almost lulls people to sleep on some other possessions where he like, keeps them right next to him and then just has a little tiny window to go like blast to the hoop for a wide open layup. Like he's fascinating. Um, you, you I'm, glad you, the- I'm glad you said that though. Cause like he doesn't, he doesn't have that, that wiggle that a lot of right. shot makers traditionally have to be able to weave through traffic and then create the space. He, he doesn't have that. He's a straight line driver. And even when he goes to like a step back, he's not creating too much separation on it, but his shot mechanics are so consistent the release point never changes. He is so comfortable no matter who's draped on him that mm-hmm. he can ultimately make that shot. Even if he takes like a, a line drive at the basket to the point where he's at a weird angle to actually finish right. around the rim, he still knows the angle. He, he He's fully aware of where he's at and everything he has in his bag from a mechanic standpoint 
His touch is magnificent. Like, yeah, I, I love that you talk about that with his tough shot making because that absolutely is a skill of his. Yeah, despite it, not being the most athletic guy. It, right, and, and it was the first moment I was watching. I was like, well, they're putting him in pick and roll, and he's really struggling to create separation. And then I got to a point where I'm like, okay. Maybe he just doesn't have those extra gears. And then I got to another point where I was like, okay, but he's making tough shots left and right. Like he's almost inviting guys to stay all over him, which is a big deal. Cause you, you can also know how to beat that with using your body and feeling guys out and being able to create yourself a window at the last second. Like there's also that type of vibe of a player that I think that's really important. Sometimes we fascinate of like, okay, does he have this extra fifth or sixth gear to create a window? Some guys also just use their speed to make defenders play down to their speed. Like, come to my, come to me. I'm not trying to make you go or go as fast as you are. I'm trying to make you play at my level. And I think he's got some intriguing tools when it comes to they throw him in the pick and roll all the time. So, and I hadn't looked up that percentile that you just named, and that is an eye opener. Um, it doesn't surprise me that they are throwing him in pick and roll all the time, but he does damage from that. He's also got like you said, some really sound mechanics when it comes to off the ball, when it's coming to catch and shoot. Yeah. There, there's definitely um, some serious buzz about Ranham right now. And you see the numbers have been steady and they're continuing to climb as the attempts go up. So um, it, he's just being one of these guys where I think this is, he's going to probably test. Um, I would imagine if he impresses a little bit, someone's going to try to jump all over him because there's there's upside here. There's legit upside that's starting to show confidence right now at the perfect time of the year. Speaking of upside, mm -hmm. this next guy, as Great. I mentioned, we were, we were going to talk about Blake Wesley. We were going to do it. You can say the no ceiling with crew doesn't make fun of me. I have been mauled about Blake Wesley. I have been attacked. I've been bamboozled. I've been whatever word you want to throw out there. Everyone kind of laughs at me. I, I still want to take Blake Wesley in like that same range every single time. Like what, once we hit 20, I'm like, is it my turn? Can I take Blake Wesley in the mock draft? Listen, dude, six, five guards who are bouncy, who can create their own shot at will who have improved over the course of the year, in my opinion, out of pick and roll. He doesn't look nearly as, I don't want to use the word lost, but not nearly as hesitant to either score or make a play in those situations. He's gotten much more comfortable as a lead ball handler, which is something that, and, and, and to put it in perspective, when we talk about Blake Wesley, this dude was not on my watch radar before mm -hmm. the year. I don't think he was on anybody's radar before the year yet all of a sudden i see a few guys posting on twitter about this kid named blake wesley who's playing in notre dame who deserves top 45 attention then it gets to top 30 attention then he hits a game winning shot puts together a few other good performances and it's like all right now that we actually have eyes on him and we're studying him does he have like top 15 upside this draft now he had some games late january early february where Things were not great for my guy. I'm talking 3 of 16, 2 of 11, 3 of 15, 2 of 13. Now, he, other than the 3 of 13 game against Syracuse, he's course-corrected himself back to what he was doing late, late December through mid-January. And 
I just put together this kid's game with the tools. Does he have to work on his jump shot? Is a little funky. Yes. Can he work on his jump shot? Can he iron out some of those mechanics? I think he can to a certain point when he's open from three-point range. But his shot looks a lot better when he's able to create it off the bounce. And he has some sick turnarounds, some sick fadeaway shots that he can go to. He can get to the rim. He can finish over defenders. I, I listen, listen. There's a lot of there's a lot of intrigue. There's a lot of uncertainty in this draft class. I want to take a bet on this kid, and I'm not saying he's going to be dynamite in his rookie year. He's probably not. He's he's definitely going to take some lumps if he plays NBA minutes. Probably would spend a lot of time in the G League, but. If you could start reaping the rewards on him, like some of the, some other guys we talked about, like year two, year three, like if you want to pick a guard to stash away and develop, this is the type of guard you want to go out and get, um, especially somebody who, in my opinion, it kind of looks like he's he's pretty new to like a point guard type of position. Like maybe he would have the ball in his hands in high school because he was just that talented of a scorer, but he's really being asked to make everyone else around him better. Like he is in Notre Dame under a coach like Mike Bray, who believes in in ball movement and, and preaching that type of offensive system. Like he doesn't look like he was necessarily bred for that coming out of the gate, but I think he's handled it really well. He's taken his lumps and and he's really had some impressive moments at Notre Dame for a player who, like I said, wasn't on anybody's radar. So I have him in the test camp. I think this is a guy, unlike the three other guys, or, or two of the three other guys we talked about, where if he went back to school, I think he could absolutely continue to show improvement in his passing play. He could still get better at pick and roll. Um, he could just be a much more even distributor overall, and I think he could be more consistent defensively. Like These are things that I think he could showcase significant improvements to other parts of his offensive game other than scoring. And if he comes back a more efficient shooter, then that's just icing on the cake. Like There's enough there for him to come back and build a case to the point where he just breaks out. He has a massive sophomore breakout season, kind of like what Alex said um, in, in one of our group chats. But there's also the chance where he tests the waters. He gets a promise from an NBA team. Like, look, we we, we see you here. We, we want to take you, like, late first round. If you stay in, like, you can go back to school. You can try to improve your stock, but we're promising you we, we will take you here. If you're here, we're picking, we'll take you here. And if he gets one of those promises – I'm not going to knock him going to the NBA. Like, I think he has a good case to go either way, and that's why I have him in the test camp. What do you think? So, everyone's going to have to bear with me. I have a lot to talk about this. Um, and, <laughs> and I know Nathan's very high on him, but this isn't all bad. This is, I'm sort of starting to understand Blake Wesley. So, and I was out for most of the year. Now I'm sort of starting to peak my eyes through the window so just let me try to explain where i'm at and i think it's going to make sense and everyone's going to probably agree with me and nathan you're going to understand where i'm coming from i think there's two versions of blake wesley just stay with me <laughs> i think there's hero ball blake wesley yeah that horrifies me is one of the scariest players on the court and i'm just i'm really i'm really terrified and then I think there's, and I'm probably putting these in bad categories. I'll try to workshop it later and make a more creative name. But I also think there's the basketball player, Blake Wesley, that I really like. And the difference between those two is the basketball player lets the game come to him. He 
is composed. He understands like, I don't have to score. I don't have to just put up a shot just because. And he can make some beautiful decisions with the ball in his hand when I'm talking about making plays for other people. Like I wasn't seeing that in the beginning of the year with him. All of a sudden he started making some throws when I dove back into his game where I was like, okay, I see it. Like that is beautiful. You really have some upside there. Hero ball, Blake Wesley can take some shots that make you throw stuff around the room. And I'm talking like early in the shot clock takes a drive off the dribble. It's he not does there. have a tendency, even regardless of some of the off the dribble stuff, he does have the tendency to catch the ball like completely, but like way behind the three point line early in the clock and jack it up. Yes. And you know how funky his mechanics are. And I, I get that that type of shot just makes you roll your eyes and go, why are we drafting this kid? The mechanics, the mechanics is really important that you brought up because there is some mechanic tendencies that are bad habits. In that, my thing's, that thing's a catapult. That jump yeah. shot's a catapult. We won't, like, we won't dance around it. But he, he's, it looks like it's on the way to getting out of his system. It's just some flashes of bad habits where like he brings the ball super low and he, he's just going to have to get rid of it. But he also has some times where he's lightning quick with his release. But what I'm getting at is... I think he should test exactly like you said. Um, if he goes, I wouldn't like go get your money. Like if you can go get a promise and you feel good about how you handle the pre-draft process with workouts and interviews. Now I have to explain what the pre-draft is every time I say that phrase. So this is really fun. But if he goes and gets a promise and feels good, like, yes, go. But I really think he could explode if he goes back. And I'm not saying just upping the points per game if he could go back and be more under control of course efficient but like he has really intriguing playmaking upside like is, I, is the hero ball only because he's playing in notre dame though like look no, at what else he has around no him. it's not it's not there's some there's some horrible decisions i saw him <laughs> i saw him take one off the dribble get cut off with about 25 seconds of the shot clock and he turned around and shot like a 18 foot fade away and I was like, oh my gosh, like that was one of the worst decisions I've made. And then the announcer in the background, like gives me my props and he's like, oh, that's a bad shot. And I'm like, thank <laughs> you. So I'm not crazy. But he also has brilliant plays where he like gets someone to bite, crosses over really low, drives, throws a beautiful floater. And I'm like, that's letting the game come to you. That is being understanding of the situation where it's like, you don't have to take a tough contested shot you can work and i also think he needs to understand like the shot doesn't always have to be there like you have to live for another right. possession like, just okay my first two looks aren't there pass it off keep the ball moving and i think that's just like you're saying nathan maybe a guy that is thrusted into the okay i'm i'm the guy i'm the primary ball handler i'm running things Maybe he needs another year of building that confidence. Um, I think he does. I so, would agree with that. Regardless of where he's at, even if he's in the G League, he just yes. he needs he needs a team who is very patient with him and understands that he's been thrust into a role that he probably wasn't in a lot of his life. I don't know his backstory. I don't know. I didn't I didn't really watch him in high school. I mean, if he wasn't on my watch list coming into the year, I definitely didn't watch him in high school. I, I don't know that backstory, but it just it just looks like on the court. This isn't something that he was necessarily comfortable with, but it's how he's managed it. I think 
has been impressive in a lot of aspects. And yes, there's there's some bad spots, as you point out. I 100% agree with you on that. But yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Is, Sorry. This is just the only point I'll make, and then I'll let you uh, I'll, I'll yeah. let you finish out what you were talking about. When we talk about the whole, when we do talk about the whole pre-draft concept, right? I'm not I'm not going to go and give you a monologue about it. But what I will say is that there is the point to doing that and living by that philosophy where you have to have the right developmental systems in place. And if you're drafting Blake Wesley, I'm going to absolutely put it out there. This is a kid you have to develop. You yes. have to develop him. If you just plop him onto an NBA team and immediately ask him to play like 20, 25 minutes a night, he's not going to look good out there right away. He's, he, he's not. But if you take your time with him, if you ease him along – Maybe if you don't have him necessarily operating completely on the ball right away, if you do want to give him some developmental minutes, play him off the ball, let him sort of figure things out, work with him on his jump shot. And then when he does get the ball, just put him in very easy situations to make like those, those really quick decisions. Like don't ask him to survey the court or go through multiple progressions or do too much. Put him in easy situations to succeed. If you do that, he could be a great player for you. If you don't do that and he goes to a team like, Sacramento, not to directly pick on Sacramento, but a team that has not historically developed players really well, you might be looking at a pretty terrifying pick, especially if you're taking him in like the top 20, top 25, where he's pretty much been mocked through a lot of this process. Yeah, and I'm not trying to be negative about Blake. Like we always say, we're we're trying to get these guys. We're just being honest. We're rooting for every player to have the best amount of success they possibly can. There is um, no one who wants Blake Wesley to succeed more than me, so I can shut all you people. <laughs> Trust me. No, and and coming from someone that I was extremely out to, all of a sudden now I'm back intrigued. Like I think there's definitely a heck of a basketball player there. I am just trying to think of a position where it's how can it not be too early? Like I'm the pre-draft thing. God, I I hate it. The pre-draft thing, I, hate it too. I just always have considered it draft, like draft and develop. You're drafting a guy, but you're drafting him with the idea of he's not coming in to help right away. We are developing him to potentially unleash right. him in year two. Before he was explode, and before he would explode, you can't get him in the same range. I, I, right. I understand right. the concept. Yes. The, pro- the-, the whole problem I have with the concept, though, is that if he's if he's legitimately on your radar to take him in that pre-draft range, like that late first, early second, he's probably showcasing skills that he can bring to the NBA right away to earn those minutes, which comes back to my whole concept of just drafting, like you yes. said, in the first place. That's why I just I, 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 don't, I don't know why it's just, it's called drafting. Right? It's just exactly. a different philosophy of like you're being bold to draft a guy thinking down the road you're not drafting him to help um you're supposed to find guys with the flashes though that's the whole point of scouting so like i don't i don't want to hear about that it's a different philosophy it's it's fucking drafting all right we're we're done right over no 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 but i i understand the intrigue with wesley it's just um see now i'm just all flustered i i would just be saying like test if you go back fine um i think there's a serious surge with his game if he went back. But I also think there's some tools that have some teams intrigued that they can limit the hero ball 
And, you know, maybe that does happen around some better talent. I'm not, you know, downplaying Notre Dame, but maybe you get him with a team of veterans and they're like, hey, you can't, you got to keep the ball moving. You got to learn how to play with more of a feel for the game because there's just parts of his games, I think, that needs some crafting. Like, he's going to be probably a G League guy. I'm right there with you. And the G League does great stuff for people like this. Blake Wesley is perfect for some time in the G League. Like, work on your handles, get a little tighter, um, work on your shot selection a little bit. Like, I still think he also has the tools to absolutely take over a game. You just got to find that middle ground. Like, he gives me Jordan Poole vibes. Jordan Poole spent a lot of time in the G League. Look at him now. Like, that's that's exactly the type of, you know, trajectory that Blake Wesley could be on. He could become a very dangerous weapon on a serious playoff team. Um, I just think this is a draft and develop. There you go. We just made a new phrase. Draft, 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 and, draft develop. and develop. Is that it? Is that draft. it? We, we stamp in that one? The D&D. Right. The, the double D. D. <laughs> We're mature, I promise. Right, right. We're yeah, we're 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 grown ups, we promise. Um we we agree. We we are yeah. ultimately in, in agreement. So the last prospect yeah, that we picked let's out do this. to talk about. Let's do this. This is a juicy one. I wanna I wanna hear your thoughts on this. I wanted guy. to hear because your I, thoughts because I didn't dive in till I dove in lit er, a lot today, and I, well, I, I understand now where everyone's buzzing. So go ahead, go ahead. But I, you well, can hear me if you want. I, I shared some thoughts on on, on Jalen Williams. Mainly, I, I shared a few thoughts of intrigue, but mainly I questioned Maxwell Bomboards when I had him on my podcast. He brought up Jalen Williams, and I asked Maxwell, I'm like, what the hell is the buzz with this kid? Like, I at that time, I really hadn't chance had I hadn't had a chance to sit down and see a full game. I legitimately hadn't watched Arkansas up to that point. Like, I thought I knew kind of like, okay, Arkansas is J.D. Note's team. I know what I'm getting when I'm watching J.D. Note. Like, we we can put Arkansas on on the back burner in terms of SEC priority when when we're talking about prospects. But this sophomore, Jalen Williams, has exploded, exploded onto the scene. And Mr. Williams, first of all, I saw that you retweeted our little statistical graphic that Tyler made this afternoon. Shout out to Jalen Williams. Shout out Jalen. Shout out Arkansas. Thank you for showing the support. Mr. Williams. I apologize that I did not want to watch your Arkansas Razorback sooner because I don't know. I don't know if you're ready for the NBA quite yet, but you are a fascinating player to watch an absolutely fascinating player to watch. He's 6'10", 245 pounds. We know what he's going to be giving you from, and 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 he's 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 an easy play finisher. That's primarily what he's asked to be at Arkansas. Yet, he averages two point seven assists per game, and that number might not blow you away. But when you factor in the position that he plays and his role within the offense, and how inventive of a passer he can be, especially with his back to the basket, or even. I think he's more he's a little more comfortable being like a face-up type of player right now than being mm-hmm. a full-time back to the basket guy. But in either situation, he is a creative and inventive passer at times. And to give you some some statistical backup from Synergy, on post-ups, including passes, he rates out in the 79th percentile. This dude is fascinating. Fascinating to watch. Um he has he has a floater game. He has really good touch around the basket. He'll go to like that. 
like a one-legged floater off the bounce where I'll be like, where did that come from? Like you're this size, you're that coordinated to hit that shot with that level of touch. That's really interesting. 98th percentile on runner's record, 98th percentile. We know he's efficient around the basket. We know he's, he's a lob threat. He's a transition guy. He's a cutter, but you factor in all these different elements and I have him in the test category. The reason why I have him in the test category is he's gained so much buzz, especially after workouts. I could absolutely see an NBA team talking themselves into taking him in the first round. I could 100% see it. But there's also a world where he does come back. He rides it out with J.D. Note for one more year yes. at Arkansas. Yes. They, have, they have that prospect coming in, right, that ESPN, that, that Schmitz and Gavoni have, have been on already in the process. And this guy, what if he comes back, the jump shot that that looks looks pretty good for a big man. He's kind of hovered around that 25 to 27% range for three-point. What if he comes back and he starts hitting like 33, 34% from three-point range on more volume? And now all of a sudden we have so much of a complete package to where we are cooking with gas. This dude is a lottery pick. Like... I don't know which way he should go, but I know damn well he better at the very least declare for the draft. I would I would personally I would just be a little upset if he made an announcement that's like I'm coming back to Arkansas. He didn't he didn't at least test the waters. I think he should absolutely test the waters. But give give me your thoughts on Jalen Williams. I know you pulled a lot of stats for the Twitter account today, his his splits. Just give me everything you got on Mr. Williams. I know what he should do. I'm gonna tell you right now. And no his Potential agent is not my best friend or anything. Yeah, we're we're not we're not advising Jalen Williams actually on on what to do. We are not your friendly no. neighborhood agents. But go ahead. But this is what he should do. So I went down a rabbit hole today because I I made it a point with talking to you. I was like, I, I want to talk about Jalen Williams because it's just one guy I know everyone was buzzing about. I haven't gone down and drinking that Kool Aid yet. I was like, this is it's time. Let's talk about Jalen Williams. So I watched him. And I quickly saw, I was like, okay, I, I see it. I know what everyone's ta- buzzing about. And then I kept watching. I was like, oh my, okay, this is fun. I'm really in- enjoying this. Then I went back and looked at his numbers throughout the year. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then this is what he should do. He should go test the waters. He should go back hundred percent. He should get feedback from every NBA team. What do they want to see him do? What do they want him to improve on? Go back. He should kick ass next year, and he will be a lottery pick. I think there is unbelievable versatility and upside with his game. Um, a lot of things need to happen. Like, he, he's going to have to work his butt off, which, you know, if you look at his rise from his freshman year to this year, it looks like he's been working his, his ass off. Two, two, two different players. Two different players. Two different players. I, Beginning of the year's first 14 games. I'm just going to throw this. You could see the freakish Im- improvement. Uh, first 14 games, he was averaging 6.8 points, 8.3 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 1.1 block. Shooting from the field, 52.9% on 4.9 attempts, uh, 21.4% from three on one attempt, and 54% from the line on just over two attempts per game. His last 15 games, he's averaging 14.2 points, 10.9 rebounds, 
2.0 assists, 1.3 blocks, shooting splits, 45.9, 26.3, and 79.7. But all of his shooting splits, like his attempts, attempts per game, excuse me, have skyrocketed. So like the efficiency is still staying there, if not improving across the board, and the attempts are just taking off, which means the confidence is starting to come around and he's starting to believe in himself as a player more than ever. Not saying he wasn't confident before, but now you're seeing the confidence kick in on the court. So he should parlay that confidence, like go test, like get some feedback, see how you deal with the other guys that are trying to test. If he goes and plays in the combine and get a feel for where you're at. I, then, I would love to see him in the comp play. Yes in those combine games as a center, I want to see how he handles the physicality. I want to see if he can actually be a primary rim protector. You know, the one thing that he does that I love it. I know that you love it. This dude likes to take a lot of charges. It's the, it's my favorite thing. I'm absolutely drooling over it. Um, I, I think, uh, I don't know if I want like my primary rim protector, like his first instinct is like try and take a charge. I don't know if I necessarily want that, but like, even if he played next to another big guy and he's kind of like the second to last line of defense and he's able to sneak in there and take that charge, like the big man kind of just like, Oh, thanks man. I didn't even have to do anything with that play. Right. He kind of just took, to, took it for me. I think it's just also the mentality and the like giving a shit. Where like yes. he doesn't always take a charge. Sometimes he just gets over and puts his hand straight up, and he's right. like, "You can either run into me or you can try to shoot over me." And, and it's almost just kind of like the, yeah, I'm sacrificing my body. You can stop. He yeah, is so, tough as shit. I think I'm, I'm going to call out Metcalf, who I do the No Ceilings podcast with. I think he tweeted something like, "What does he do defensively?" Beside, and I was like, "What the heck?" I watched him just try to take five charges as a six ten lumbering giant. Like, I love this. This is great. And I've also seen him move his feet. And I was a little intrigued defensively with his footwork, where it came to like getting in stance and trying to stay with guys sliding. There's some tools there. Um, so so, I, so it's, it's, it's not defensively, but yeah. I did watch him on one baseline drive offensively, and he has that hairstyle. I really wondered if I was watching Jalen Williams or Kendall Brown. Yeah, like, he is really coordinated off the bounce, and I think some of that footwork and some of that speed, as you said, can absolutely apply on the defensive end too. The the footwork on both sides. I mean, I've seen a couple spin dribbles where I'm like, whoa, okay. Like I, I see the intrigue with everyone. I just, you know, I'm gonna piss off draft Twitter for this year, and I'm probably gonna make a bunch of Arkansas Razorbacks fans happy. Like I, I just think one more year he could really explode, and, and that could be one that's climbs in a hurry now i'm not trying to say automatically if he goes back he's going to be a lottery pick but i think there's the potential for there's him abs to absolutely really really have a strong year because um that's what happens with these late this late burst of confidence it's it's Jaden ivy it's exactly what happened with him he's, he finished out the second half of the year on a high note went back and just went nuclear and now he's looking like a potential top five pick and i do think you can do that stuff when you go back you don't have to be a one and done if you go back and just take another step forward like this happens all the time and i i think jalen williams the smart decision would be to test see where you're at get some feedback because i always think guys should test 
Even if you have no intention to stay in the draft, you should test to get some feedback. It's a valuable resource. Why wouldn't you get told what you need to work on? Confirm what NBA scouts are thinking. Like you might think, Hey, I need to work on my handles. And then you go and scouts are like, yeah, you need to work on your handles. It's like, okay, I, there you go. I just confirmed it. And, or they might tell you something else, but the touch, the, the feel around the basket, like the footwork, there's some really fun tools. And he makes some passes where you're like, okay. <laughs> like he looks like he's having fun, like a kid out there with some of the passes he throws. So, so like yeah. the, the two, the two hand around the back, like, yeah. like to, to a cutter and along the baseline. Like, yeah, he has a lot of fun. And everyone's saying like, Oh, you know, why you guys are so excited about him. Why wouldn't he just go out this year? It's like, cause you could become a different player with another step. Like you could, be in a different ballpark of just your confidence and your actual ability. I think this is one of the most fun guys of this crop of guy, like prospect we talked about that I think really has a serious burst and upside. Like, I think he really could climb next year compared to where he's at right this second. And I'm like you, he could be a first round pick. Go ahead. I agree with you. I think the one scenario where I think he would absolutely just declare and stay in the draft is he he is a sophomore right. so if he comes back he would be a junior if they go on like a run in the tournament to like a sweet 16 yeah different conversation like that, yes different 100%. conversation yeah then, and, and then i think you staying in the draft that's the beauty of march madness you make a deep run you can and if you make if your team makes a deep run and you're playing really well you can skyrocket up some boards and, and this could be a guy that does that um, I just, I just really am intrigued and he's, he's a sophomore, but is going to be turning, I think 20 in June. Yes. So still pretty young for a sophomore. I mean, 19, he's going to be 20 in June. Um, a lot of this class is already, even a lot of the freshmen are like 19. Like I was looking right. at some age stuff with like Terquavian Smith, who I wrote about, like he like just turned 19, but like. I think there's only out of the top, like however many prospects, there's only like six to eight guys somewhere in that range who are still 18. So like a lot of players are in that range. So I agree with you. I don't think the age should be a factor necessarily, but it it, it sometimes is. I'm I'm going to put you on the spot before we close out this podcast. I'm I'm proposing I'm proposing a podcast idea to you. I don't care if we do it here. I don't care if you and Metcalf have me on. We do it on those ceilings. We have to do. A segment? A we got to do a podcast before the tournament where we talk about how to scout the tournament. The pitfalls of taking the tournament too seriously. The pitfalls of not putting enough stock in the certain things we see in the tournament. We get, we got to do a whole podcast. About that. We're, we're doing. I don't care where we're doing, it, but that's that's a no ceilings one. We're we're, we're taking that right. for sure. That'll be a juicy one. That might even have to be like a two parter. But yeah, I love that. That I think that's great. I think that's fantastic. Well, if you and Metcalf don't give me the invitation, I'm going to storm down your door. No, no. The, the guests, that knows, we're going to be getting guests rolling left and right. Are you kidding me? We, we got to get some outsiders too, but we need Nathan back on it. It'd be a lethal one. Oh, gosh, that one will be mind terror. <laughs> we, can, we can tell some guys. stories. Yeah. We can tell stories about how Zach Collins rose up to the top five of my board. Don't get me started on Zach Collins. Please don't do it. Oh boy. Talk about PTSD at the wrong time right now. No, that that's funny though. That would be good. Cause he, we go back and look at a couple. I'd be like, Oh gosh. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. But oh boy, that is going to do it for this episode of the draft deeper podcast. Rucker. 
you do it every time you're on. Do it. Do your plug. No ceilings. What are we doing? Where are we at? Uh, we're at noceilingsmba.com. Um, we got a crazy upcoming months. We're so pumped for it, but it is going to be um, bloodbath. It's going to be a bloodbath. Um, so yeah, please follow me there. I'll be writing some stuff. I think I'm actually, as everyone's listening to this, I'll probably have a piece up this week about someone that I'm very fond of. Um, we're at No Ceilings uh, Podcast with me and Tyler Metcalf. We're going to get Nathan back on soon. The support with that has been awesome. So Draft Deeper community, thank you guys for believing in that because it's been awesome to kind of double dip in both of those. So yeah, thank you, Nathan, as always. I love doing these with you. It, it sets the tone for the whole week. So thank you. It, it definitely is therapeutic at this point. So <laughs> Uh, Some of the crazy games you and I talk about. Yeah, it's 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 great. Podcast therapy. Yes. But thank you, everyone out there who's listening to this episode of the podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, please, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe at the podcast, Spotify, YouTube. If you aren't, follow me on Twitter. Make sure you do so at Draft Deeper. And as Rucker said, if you aren't following No Ceilings on Twitter at No Ceilings NBA, please go find us there as well. that, That account is growing. Pretty rapidly. We're, we're going to hit 2,000 followers on that account before I hit 3,000 followers, which I'm going to be like, what just happened? But you are <laughs> you, you are the, the the conductor of chaos and, and memes and everything else fun on, on the no silly account. So it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. Um, I, I'm not I'm not that creative or, or inventive on my Twitter. I, I, I talk about things. I storm down. I stir up controversy and we kind of just fly away and go about the rest of our day. But. Again. Thank you all for supporting No Ceilings. Thank you all for supporting Draft Deeper. Make sure you subscribe to the Substack. We have plenty more coming over the weeks. We're going we're gonna to blow out the NCAA tournament. We already have some ideas planned for content. We're going to get new big boards, mock drafts out there. The whole nine. Be on the lookout for everything we're doing. But until then, I hope you all have a wonderful